0: Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast for Real Life Church Coleman. We exist to help people know and become like Jesus. Alright, so this morning we're starting uh, a new series. Uh, a new series that God has uh, been putting on my heart for a little while. Um, and I'm I'm pretty excited to, to, to kick it off with you this morning. Alright, let's let's get into it. John 15. Colossians 1, Matthew 7. You don't have to turn to these, by the way. I'm just listing off. Matthew 3, Luke 13, Luke 6, Philippians 1, Romans chapter 7, Matthew 12, Jude 1, Hebrews 13, James 5, Ezekiel 17, Daniel 4, Hosea 10, Joel 2, Isaiah 5, Psalm 1, Jeremiah 17. Uh, I'm not just good at just saying names and random numbers. Uh, these are all different passages in the Bible in which a similar analogy is used. An analogy uh, that is a common thread, obviously, throughout Scripture, of the purpose of God's people and people that are faithfully uh, staying rooted in, God's, in a relationship with God, and out of that, they produce fruit. Uh, and in so all those passages, you'll see this analogy of producing fruit. Uh, and and this is obviously uh, uh, something that's pretty significant in Scripture, and something that I think we're supposed to to learn because out of that we we if we are having a relationship with God and we want to be part of God's family we accept that as Scripture is trying to uh, convey to us that our role our responsibility out of that is to produce fruit and in many of these passages uh, the people of God are likened to a branch, either connected to a vine or to a tree. Uh, and out of that, they, they're the branch, and as long as they stay connected to the tree uh, or to the vine, they will produce fruit as is their created purpose. Uh, and I think it's important for us to understand what, what does that mean, um, and what does that mean for us as we try to stay connected to God and, and have a deeper, uh, fulfilling, fruitful relationship with God. Uh, So that's what we're going to be looking at through this series. Uh, We're going to look at two questions today. Uh, What is fruit? What is is the fruit that we're supposed to be producing, and how do we produce it? And so we're going to look at those two things, uh, both today and throughout this series. Uh, And I think it's important. You know, we don't want to be producing the wrong fruit, uh, and we don't want to try to—and I think it's just as important—we don't want to try to produce that in the wrong way. Uh, So we're going to look at that today. Uh, But before we do, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for another opportunity uh, for me to get to share what you've put on my heart, and and Holy Spirit, as you've been guiding me uh, through Scripture, not just recently, but throughout my whole life, to to show me these kind of things. I pray, Lord, that you can help me share them well. Um, I pray, Lord, that you meet with us here, that Holy Spirit, you move in this place, and um, that this is your time, that you can teach us, that you can inspire us, encourage us, uh, and help us live out uh, the purpose you've given for us. Um, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be looking in, in Galatians chapter five, uh, and uh, we're going to start in verse sixteen. I, I wanted to set it up a little bit. Uh, Galatians is is a book that Paul wrote to a city called Galatia. Uh, he wrote he, well, it's not a book. He was writing a letter to them, and uh, he was dealing with uh, a church that was struggling under a pressure. And this pressure was, most of the people there were Gentiles, and much of Paul's churches were like that. He was kind of the missionary to the Gentiles. It was, it was his his calling. Uh, and as he reached out to the Gentiles, he helped them get to know who Jesus was and all this stuff, and and uh, helped them understand the basis of Scripture at that point. And But some people kept coming along, and particularly in the Galatian church, uh, these people would come, and these Jews that have become Christians are telling all the Gentiles that to be part of the family of God, to truly be part of what God is doing in God's people, you had to first become circumcised, that you had to first become a Jew, then become a Christian. And Paul uh, has been fighting this. He's been fighting this not just here, but all over the place, that uh, the way to be defined as part of God's people, the way to be identified is no longer circumcision, but there are other markers that show that you are part of God's family and that uh, it's not some physical thing, but this this uh, spirit that's indwelling within you. And uh, so Paul has been uh, talking to the Galatian church and telling them, no, you don't need uh, circumcision. That is not required. It's not this act anymore that signifies you're part of God's family. It's something else. And so we see how he defines the, the way to live by the flesh or live by the Spirit here in chapter 5, verse 16 through 25. So let's read that together. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of, of the flesh. On and on, I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So, Paul pretty much identifies exactly what fruit is here in Scripture. Um, And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But before we move on, I I just want to highlight verse 16 right in the beginning. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Uh, We get this impression of what Paul is saying is that you cannot uh, live by the Spirit and live by the flesh. And he lists out what it looks like to live by the flesh. These are the two identifying markers of whether or not you're part of God's family and the Spirit's indwelling is if you live by the Spirit, this is what it looks like. And if you live by the flesh, this is what it looks like. It's no longer circumcision and uncircumcision. It's, it's the Spirit and the flesh and, and the evidence of the life that you're living out of that. Uh, and I, I don't know about you, but I know that uh, as I look through these lists, um, you might get a feeling, because Paul says, you know, you can't do both. You can't be doing both of these things. And it might be kind of frustrating or confusing, because as you look through it, it's like, well, you know, I've been I've been prone to having my fit of anger every once in a while. Like, that happens to me. Uh, but I, I really feel like I'm living by the Spirit. You know, I have, I have spiritual things evident in my life. Uh, so what, what's the deal? I, he says you can't do both, and yet here both are evident in my life. And I think what Paul's getting at is that... Uh, there's two directions you can go, and much like you know, if you try to walk in two different directions, you're not able to. If you want to walk one way, you can walk one way, or you want to walk the other way, you want to walk the other. That's the only thing you can do. You can't do both, you have to choose which side you want to walk towards. And uh, I think uh, as we walk towards, walk with the Spirit towards Christ in a deeper relationship with Him, as we see the Spirit moving in our lives, that doesn't mean that the evidence of sin or the flesh is going to completely dissipate immediately. I think it's still going to be there because we're sinful people in a sinful world. However, the closer we get to Christ, the more we pursue that relationship with Him, walking in step with the Spirit, slowly but surely, uh, you will see more and more of the Spirit in yourself rather than the flesh, and so it's it's not so much that you can't have both of these things happening in your life. It's more that you can't choose to walk towards the flesh and choose to walk towards the spirit at the same time. You have to make a choice in your life of which one you want to pursue. Uh, and by the way, just so you know, like it's walk towards the spirit, walk with the spirit towards Christ, and then the, all the rest is sin and the flesh. <laughs> like it's just that's the one direction. That's not that. Um, so. I just wanted to highlight that. And one of the things that I really love about verse 16 when he says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, uh, is this uh, idea that I think sometimes we we are choosing to try to avoid all the, the fleshly things. We want to try to avoid sin. We want to try, try to avoid our selfishness and everything else. And not that that's necessarily bad in and of itself, but uh, the problem is, I, I see this pattern with youth students all the time as I was a youth pastor for so long, and I, I witnessed, and I, I saw it in my own life too, that as we come to Jesus and we accept this forgiveness and this new relationship and, and the righteousness that he's given to us, uh, there's this simple flip that I, I think there's a, a trick of the enemy there that uh, you, you accept the forgiveness that Jesus gives you. And then immediately turn back to yourself and it's like, okay, thanks, Jesus. I'm good now. I'm going to start taking care of it from here on out. I've got my sin under control now. Don't worry. And immediately you're starting to like take things under your own belt and think, all right, I got this. I got this. And you forget that where you met Jesus was you couldn't, you couldn't handle this on your own. And for the rest of your spiritual life until you're with him in heaven, you're not going to be able to do it on your own at any point. That the whole point of a relationship with God and walking with the Spirit is to walk with the Spirit, and as you do that, you will not satisfy the desires of the flesh. That that's the goal, that you stay focused on Christ and walk with the Spirit towards Him to a deeper relationship with Him, and as you do that, the desires of the flesh will dissipate from your life. And that doesn't mean, again, like, you're supposed to, oh, I can do whatever I want as long as I'm pursuing Christ, but I guarantee you that if you're genuinely, authentically pursuing Christ, walking with the Spirit... You don't have to worry so much about the desires of the flesh because as the Spirit changes you, you won't want to do them anymore. And I just love the way he says that. Walk by the Spirit. Make that your goal. Make the goal walking by the Spirit and you won't have to worry about the desires of the flesh. Now, let's take a look at, uh, at our analogy for today. As we've been, We're going to go through this series about what it means to be a fruit-bearing tree or a fruit-bearing branch that we who have the Holy Spirit within us that are trying to be part of the family of God and live out our created purpose to produce fruit as so many scriptures tell us that's what we're supposed to do. What is that fruit? Um, and, and Paul said all these things that, that show the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and I thought something would be fun is to look at the original Greek because as I was studying this, something stuck out uh, in, in my study and as I was listening to other pastors and preachers and as they were talking about uh, the original Greek. I wanted to look it up for myself because I was like, "Oh, that's that's really cool what they said." Let me see if it's true because it's always good to verify and you know fact check and make sure. And so because you know I studied Greek in college, I was able to like look back and see, "Oh, hey, that's exactly what it says." Um, so that was cool. Uh, and so I wanted to show off to you. I mean, show you uh, this. <laughs> This original Greek, uh, this is much the same that it would have looked to the Galatian church. This is chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. The difference is, uh, Paul's handwriting probably was worse. Uh, he was notably losing his eyesight, so it wouldn't have looked that nice. Uh, also, there wouldn't have been any punctuations, no verse numbers, and no spaces. This is the crazy thing that I learned. They didn't even have spaces. So as people copied things and passed them on, they just wrote letters all in sequence with each other. Uh, but this is just a copy of, of my Greek Bible, and I, I wanted to, to show you these two verses. The karpos, ode karpos tu pneumatas. That's the fruit of the spirit. Estine, I might not pronounce this perfectly, but it's been a while. Uh, Estine, agape. You heard that one before? That's agape right there, that first one. And that's what? What is agape? Love. Unconditional, intentional, active love. Next one is chara. That's joy. Uh, but not like a joy in your circumstances and excitement about certain things that are happening, uh, but a joy that can only find its root in God. That, that's where that joy comes from. Imagine it's a well of joy, and the bottom of that well is God. Uh, and so that's, that's where that joy comes. A reine. that's uh, peace. And that's not a, a just a peaceful thing that's going on in your life. That's a tranquility of heart that knows that God is in control. So there's a, there's a trust there in God's faithfulness. And so you have peace because of that. Makrothumia, that's patience. Um, and uh, it's, it's used outside of the Bible to speak of the Romans uh, in their conquering persistence and resilience. That they wouldn't defeat, the, defeat their enemies by necessarily strength. They would defeat them by patience. And that they could just outlast everyone they ever fought. So it's, it's not just a patience, it's a conquering patience. It's an overcoming patience. Uh, Christates. Uh, this is kindness. Uh, it's a sweetness. It's, it's helpful. The whole point is, is to help and uplift all those around it. Interestingly, uh, it's the same word that Jesus used when he says his burden is light. Um, Agathosune. This is one of my favorite words. This is goodness. Uh, it's also the same word. If you Romans eight twenty eight, it's my favorite verse, and it says uh, Paul says that all things work together for good, uh, and that's the same word. Agathos. Agathosune. Uh, and this is like Christotes. It's helpful. It wants to bear burdens with others. It wants to uplift, but it also upholds virtue. And so, uh, goodness will confront. Goodness will rebuke. Uh, if necessary, and so uh, chrysates will just uplift and encourage and help, but Agathos, Sune, that goodness, that will also rebuke if necessary. Pistis, uh, that's, uh, that's trust or faithfulness, uh, and, and so if you want to be trustworthy or faithful or reliable, that's what pistis means, and praotes, that's gentleness, which means submissive or teachable, considerate. And finally, egrateia, that's uh, the word we get for self-control, inner strength, strength of the will, the ability to avoid bad and do good. And so that is the fruit of the Spirit. But the part that I thought was interesting and, and the thing that I studied was this word karpos, which is fruit uh, of the Spirit. And so this is fruit, karpos. And what's interesting is this os right here, it's in the genitive form, uh, and that. Is the singular version of the genitive form. To show you the, the plural, to low tone, to lo tone, whatever however you say that. Uh, that's the things against such things. Uh, there is no law. That's the word things, and the own is also in genitive, and that's the plural version of it. And so, if carpas was the the plural version of carpas, it would be carpone. But because it's carpas, it's the singular version. And what does that mean? Well. If we understand, like in English, we can say I have a fruit or I have a bowl of fruit and I can mean like multiple fruit. And I think sometimes when we read the the fruit of the Spirit, we look at all these things and we think, oh, all of these are individual fruits of the Spirit. However, what Paul is writing, what he wrote to the Galatians is the singular fruit of the Spirit, the one fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. One fruit, which means that to produce the fruit of the Spirit, to have the Spirit be evident in your life and, and to show that, to be living by the Spirit, all of these things at the same time have to be there. Not one, not two, not some, not most, not not anything, but all have to be there for it to be the Spirit. So what I've seen in my life, uh, I've seen people sometimes take this to mean like, oh, okay, it's the fruit of the Spirit, multiple fruit. I'm going to fixate on one or two of them that I find Mostly important, And I, I see that a teia, that, that inner strength, strength of the will, uh, self-control, and I see people that uh, want to pursue this because it means that they can avoid sin and they can decide for themselves what they want to do. Again, that kind of mindset of, okay, Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Now I've got it from here. I'm going to use my strength. And there's nothing wrong with strength of will. It's, it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, but the problem is when you let self-control get out of control, uh, you you begin to become judgmental and looking down on people. And I've seen this happen to people. I've seen people come to me and say, hey, you stand on the stage, you need to confront all these people. And I was like, okay, but I'm going to start with you. Uh, because what ends up happening is you you forfeit some of the other stuff. Yeah, you might have self-control, but in your desire to avoid all the bad and do all the good all on your own strength you're looking down on other people and you don't have that Christatis that that kindness you don't have the joy of the relationship with God because you're every day just trying to not do the wrong things Uh, you you forfeit some of these other stuff you don't have patience with people and because of that you're not actually producing the fruit of the spirit if you just did one of these by forsaking some of the others That's not the Spirit's evidence in your life. That's the fruit of, insert your name here. That's not the fruit of the Spirit, because the fruit of the Spirit is all of these all at once. So that's the first answer to our our question. This is the fruit. The fruit uh, is the evidence of the Spirit in your life seen through discipleship. And I I threw that, that first part in there, the fruit is the evidence of the Spirit in your life seen through discipleship. I threw that discipleship in there because as I look at those, I think about love and joy and peace and patience. A lot of them refer to things you can only be seen, things that can only be seen in your life if you're in relationship with other people. And so it, if you have patience, but you don't have any opportunity to show that, if you have peace, if you have love, but you have no opportunity to show that to other people, then how can you mark whether or not the Spirit is growing in your life? How can you see if you're producing the fruit of the Spirit? How can you see that anything has changed? Uh, so I believe it's in discipleship that we see and understand the fruit of the Spirit. But the goal of our life, the created purpose that we have is to produce this fruit, this fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Uh, but again, I want to remind you that at the beginning and end of this passage, Paul says that uh, you're, you do this by walking by the Spirit, uh, and so this is the evidence of the Spirit in you. Again, it's not the, it's not the fruit of Corbin. Uh, so you, you walk by the Spirit, and as you walk by the Spirit, the, you will see the evidence of the Spirit in your life, uh, and you're slowly changed by Him as you walk towards Christ, have a deeper relationship with Jesus. What I've seen, uh, this, is, this is the issue that I think we come into, and the issue that I've seen all around me is that I think, I think I've seen a lot of people get the wrong impression of what fruit is. So we get off on that track. And then I also see, because of that, uh, people go about it the wrong way. So not only are you trying to produce the wrong fruit, but we're trying to produce it in the wrong way. Uh, and what, what, I, what happens, what I've witnessed, at least for me, I, I asked some people, hey, what, how would you define fruit? And everyone gave me some very insightful answers. So maybe I'm just wrong about this. So. But I, I've got the impression growing up That as I sat in church and as I listened to preachers and and I got this impression and this kind of guilt even, that the purpose of my life, the fruit that I'm supposed to be producing is to get more people to come. And I think that this is a bit of our culture seeping in because our culture is all about uh, popularity and fame and getting more followers and more people to join. And the more people I can get to join, the more valid it is. The more I can get people to join, the less insecure I am because there's more people with me. And I don't see that faith in the Bible. I don't see that that's the relationship we're supposed to have with God. In fact, most of the time, there's a lot of people in the Bible that are pointed out for being the only ones doing it. And so I, I, I see this idea that, uh, at least I got this impression, that my goal as, as a Christian, as a follower of God, to stay connected and prove that I have the spirit in my life, I have to get more people to join. I have to get more people to say a prayer. And this is what the fruit I'm supposed to be producing. But unfortunately, um, one, that never really worked. And it didn't really work with the fact that I was also pursuing a deeper relationship with Jesus. Uh, thankfully, God never let me settle for, for just getting people to come. He, he wanted to have a deeper relationship with me and has be, begun to show me that um, there's a, a shallowness and uh, an in, inauthenticity there. It's it's not genuine. That uh, if I have a relationship with you and I'm trying to get you to come to church, trying to get you to have a relationship with God, all to prove, all to like settle some kind of quota in my head, you'll eventually be able to see through that because it's not genuine. not Not only is my relationship with God not genuine, but my relationship with you is not genuine because I'm all I'm doing it for myself. And so I begin to present like I have a relationship with God. I, pre- I present myself in, in the shallowness, but I'm not actually, not actually there. I don't have a real relationship with God. I'm just trying to get other people to join and make myself feel better and settle that insecurity in my heart. But as I've said, God, God didn't let me settle for that. He wanted me to pursue a real relationship with Him. And what's cool is... Out of that, as I grow closer to Christ, as I walk and step with the Spirit and the Spirit changes me and the fruit of the Spirit starts to become more and more evident in my life, I grow in love. And out of that love, out of the love that God has given me, it overflows and I look around me and I, I genuinely love the people around me. And now instead of inviting people to come to try to settle this quota in my head and make myself feel better, I'm inviting people because I genuinely care about them and love them. And I know that the love that I have received and I want them to experience that too, I have joy, joy that knows that I have a relationship with God and that will never, ever, ever go away. That I have this joy and is radiating from me. And people can tell, people could tell the difference. They can see when you're being on inauthentic. And I, I think I learned this best because there's nobody that sees it better than teenagers. Let me tell you, I, I was grounded in that. I'm grateful that God started me out in youth ministry because for so long I had to deal with this fact that I knew that if I was fake with them, they would know. They would see through me. And so if I was trying to get them and love them and care for them simply for a paycheck, they would know. But if I passionately pursued Christ, passionately walked with the Spirit and and let the Spirit shine through me, they would see that too, and they would know that too. And so... It doesn't look all that different in the end. You do get people to come. You do get people to start having relationships with God, and that is really good, but you do it in the right way. Instead of doing something fake because you're trying to settle some insecurity or some quota that you have in your head, you're doing it because you genuinely have a relationship with God. And out of that relationship, out of the Holy Spirit's goodness, you are are sharing it with the people around you, caring for them, loving them, showing them what it looks like to have a relationship with Christ. I put these trees up here um, to kind of analog- uh, to give us this analogy through this series. Uh, one of these trees is fake. Can you tell which one's the fake one? That one, all right, this is good. Some of you guys can tell what's fake and what's not. Some of you are like, what? <laughs> this is the fake tree. If you get closer, you'll see it. Uh, this was actually in the old office. Uh, we had it there for a long time. Someone was wise enough to know that a group full of guys would not have kept a living thing alive Uh, and so they bought a fake tree and left it in the office. Uh, And that was shrewd of them. Uh, We have some women on staff now, and so we have real plants out in the the lobby. Um, And they're taken care of. This, however, this is a real tree. Uh, This is a, a red, delicious apple tree. And uh, I know that's a really cool fruit. Like, a, I'd love to be like, a, you know, an attractive homo sapien, but it's got deliciousness baked in, right? That's like the, that's its title. That didn't land. Okay. Um, let's just gloss over it. Uh, so it's got its, its deliciousness in its title. I really like that. Uh, but we got these two trees and, and one is fake and one, this one that's fake, uh, it looks fine. It looks good. It's green. It's leafy. You know, that's great. Uh, and guess what? doesn't require any attention. It has no needs. It doesn't, you don't have to worry about it. I mean, we left it. I mean, it's growing dust and everything, but that, it has no needs. You, you don't have to worry about it at all. It'll look good. And it's easy to produce. You don't got to wait any amount of time. You can just throw some pieces together and make it look good. You can manufacture a lot of these in a very short amount of time, and it won't require you much effort to keep it going. Just let them sit there. Look all pretty. This one, however, is going to take time. It takes time to grow. Someone's got to be patient, watch a seed. Like, that's the hard part to me. It's like you plant a seed and you don't see it growing for a very long time. Uh, but once you get past that point, it's still slow. And it's going to be slow for this tree to eventually produce fruit. Um, and it requires a lot of attention. It's messy. It's difficult. It's painful at times. You've got to take care of this tree and you've got to keep track of it. You've got to keep thinking about it. This tree is difficult to take care of. But which one's going to produce fruit? That one. That one is never going to produce fruit. I am very confident about that. I don't know that much about uh, agriculture, but I know that much, that that one won't produce fruit, and that one, if it's had all its needs met, will. And I think that's what God was leading me to, is help us understand that I think a lot of people want to settle for this inauthentic, fake relationship. And Jesus calls this out many times in his gospels. He's talking about these people that on the outside look like they've got it going. Like they look like they're green and leafy and everything's good, uh, but they're dead inside and they're never going to produce any fruit. The spirit's not alive in them. And honestly, I've seen a lot of pastors and leaders want this as well because it's easy. It's easy to make. It's easy to produce. It's easy to maintain. As a leader, I don't have to worry about these people because they're shallow and whatever. It's fine. You look good on Instagram. It's a great fake tree church. But this one's hard. It takes time. It's, it takes effort. It takes emotion and heart. It takes a real genuine relationship yourself to be able to continue to help this grow. And so a lot of people want to forsake that and not produce that. And uh, And... For me, like <laughs> I never wanted, God never let me settle for that, and I never wanted to let anyone else settle for that. Uh, I, th- I think this analogy, I think we don't have to look any farther than the analogy that, that God gave us with this on how to produce the fruit. This tree, this tree will produce its fruit, but how, what does it need? Does anyone know? Water. What else? Sun soil yeah fertilizer some kind of nutrients from the ground pruning. pruning yeah we're gonna get to that that's a fun one what else yes you need to protect it from like disease wind even we had some wind you want to have any trees come down like that that's that'll kill a tree uh it needs it needs to be cared for it needs pollination this is cool i i had trees back in my house uh, in california at my house it was my parents house uh i didn't have a house in california i'm not that rich um <laughs> But I had a couple trees that I planted, and I, I got to watch them grow, a cherry tree and a nectarine tree. Uh, unfortunately, my parents are selling that house, so I'm not going to get to go home and see the fruit of all that labor that I put in. But it was really cool coming home and seeing fruit growing on these trees after all the work I did. But we had a beehive in our house. Uh, not, not by choice. They found a wall, and they found a way in there. and so they, we, But my mom always was going to get them exterminated or, or moved or something like that. And I always kept saying, no, Mom, my trees need it. My trees need it, and so my mom, thankfully, suffered for my sake so that my trees could produce fruit because they need to be pollinated, pollinated so that the trees could produce that fruit. And I think as we look the, at it, there's these obvious things that this tree needs that we all know that's what it needs to produce fruit. It is its created purpose. It will naturally do it. It doesn't flex its branch and just go, Urgh! fruit. No, it slowly, surely, inevitably produces fruit if it's all, all of its needs are being met. I think, think the same thing is true in our spiritual life, that as, as we live uh, with the Spirit and walk by the Spirit towards Christ and have relationship with each other and have all of our spiritual needs met, I believe that we will eventually, inevitably, just like that tree, produce fruit. So what are those needs? And this is the part where you're going to get frustrated with me. Because in our American culture, we really like the five simple tricks that will be real quick and easy that you didn't know, that'll lead to a healthy spiritual life, right? That's what we came in here for today. That's what you want. That's not what I'm going to give you. I'm going to tell you the things that you already know. And the reality is that if all of us in this room were doing the things that we already know, the world around us would be changed quite a bit. Most Christians don't need to learn something new. Most Christians need to put into practice the things they already know. And so, that's what we need to do. If we want to have a healthy spiritual life, you already know the answers. just like you already knew the answers for that tree. You know the answers for yourself. If you're not praying, you'll starve the spirit and you won't produce the fruit. If you're not tithing, you'll starve the spirit and you won't produce the fruit. If you're not reading your Bible, you'll starve the spirit and not produce the fruit. If you're not Sabbathing, you'll starve the spirit and not produce the fruit. If you're not fellowshipping, you'll starve the Spirit and not produce the fruit. If you're not doing all these things that we know that we are called to do, you will starve the Spirit and not produce the fruit. That's what you need to do. I know it's kind of frustrating, like, oh, I learned the the things I already know. But no, you relearn the things you know and and understand the importance and hopefully you understand the significance of, you know that, yeah, you can give this protection and nutrients from the ground. You can give it sunlight, you can give it carbon dioxide, you can give it pollination, but if you don't give it water, what's going to happen? It'll die and never produce fruit. We need to be doing all these things just like this tree to produce fruit in our life. So that's what I, uh, the Spirit led, us to, or led me to for the second answer, that we produce fruit, we produce this fruit by caring for our spiritual needs and participating in discipleship. And I threw discipleship in there again because I'm the discipleship pastor and I wanted to. Uh, no, I, I just I feel like just like the evidence of the spiritual fruit in your life can't be seen without discipleship. I also believe that the growth can't happen without discipleship. I think that's part of our spiritual needs. And so uh, that, is, that is what we need to be doing. We need to set aside time. If you want some kind of takeaway, take away this. Think of the things that you're doing to keep the spiritual, spirit healthy in your life. Think of the prayer that you're doing, the the fellowshipping with others, the reading your scriptures and and all that other stuff. Think of all the things that you're doing right now, and maybe what what is lowest on that list? What might you be starving the spirit most with? And just start doing more of that. And honestly, I I look forward to the day where I can look at a church and think, and myself included, we're all doing everything we can to have the healthiest spiritual life, because I believe God can do amazing things with that church. I think that if we're all producing the fruit of the Spirit, we will radically change this community. Now, we're going to do communion in a sec, so you can get that ready. But I just wanted to say one more little disclaimer. I took this role as discipleship pastor uh, like a month ago. And one of the things that I just want to make clear, because maybe I didn't make it clear before, is that I'm not here to make this happen. I don't care if it looks good on Instagram. I, I don't want this. I'm not going to pursue this in my own life, and I'm not going to pursue it in any of yours. As discipleship pastor, my goal is always going to push everyone towards real life and real fruit. I intend to push everyone that direction, just as the Spirit pushed me that direction, even though it's harder, even though it doesn't look as good. In half the year, that tree's going to look dead. But you know what? That's what I believe in. That's what God has done in my life, and I've seen the spiritual fruit come out of that, and I've been blessed by it, and the people around me have been blessed by it, and I will never let you settle for this. So if this is what you're going for, this is the church that you want, you want a bunch of fake stuff looking good that doesn't require any effort, isn't very messy, isn't difficult at all, I'm going to fight you. I'm going to fight you on that. Because I want, I want or I want a church full of these trees, not these trees. That's what I'm here to do. We're going to take communion and remember that all of this is possible because of what Jesus has done for us. The Spirit can live within us because Jesus lived a perfect life, died, and rose again, all for our sake, so that we can be redeemed and live by His righteousness, walking towards Him, having a relationship with Him in step with the Spirit. So let's not forget to remember where all this began. And it's cool, it all began in the same place for all of us. All of us started our journey here because of what Jesus has done. On his last night, Jesus gathered his disciples and they had dinner and he broke some bread and passed it amongst them and said, this is my body, which I will take, or I break for you. Take me. And he passed the cup. This is my blood that I will shed for you. Take and drink. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for what that means for us. I pray, Lord, that as we pursue a deeper relationship with you, as we, wherever we're all at, whether we're far into this journey or we're just getting started or we're still not sure about it, I pray Lord, that you meet with us there and help us not turn back to ourselves, but continue to walk towards you, relying on you and Holy Spirit move and all the people in this church, including myself and continue to produce your fruit. We don't want some name for ourselves. We want all glory to go to you. And we want you to change this world around us just like you have changed the world within us. Please continue that work. Please continue to have patience and, and guide us and help us never settle for anything less than deep, devoted relationship to you. We love you. We praise you. Tuesday name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by going to rlcpullman.com or by following us on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time... Have a great week.